If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. He talks and dashes. <laughs> that's, that's what you do half the time. Yeah. We are live with a new, it's new to you if you haven't heard it before, completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, June 4th, 2014, alongside my somewhat smiling at me, Ian Ferguson. Howdy. How y'all doing? I'm Pat Country. We're your party hosts for the evening. What's coming up on the show? We'll be discussing uh, Days of Future Past, the X-Men movie that came out uh, a week and a half ago. Talking about WWE Payback and the Raw that just happened. Talking a little bit about the Retron 5. Pre-thoughts, pre-review. Pre-thoughts, thoughts and review. <laughs> Talk about Mario Kart selling 1.2 million copies in its first weekend. Talking about the GameCube controller adapter coming out for the Wii U. Watch Dogs, DRM issues. Uh, talk about Daisy and Rust, what that means for gaming psychology. Every time you see da- say Daisy, I think Princess Daisy, and my mind instantly goes to Mario. It's totally opposite. And your Q&A, which we've already com- uh, compiled from Twitter. We've combusted. We've combusted? It's, it seemed like you were about to it's, say combusted. It's not that hot in here yet. How are you doing, Ian? I, well, you know, things. <laughs> things. things. Wed- wedding planning going on? Uh, wedding planning going on. Lots of facets to multiple things happening um lots of facets lots of, lots of ins and outs lots of ins and outs um, i've been reading a lot of books i'm i'm i, I my my comic-con budgeting is in full force right now and uh part of that budgeting is a guilt trip inspired uh need to read at least like four or five of the 20 books that I bought last year that I haven't touched yet, so I have to kind of get through some of that, otherwise I won't be able to allow myself How, to how about you read Watchmen? I, I read the book you let me Because I just keep freaking lending it away. I own Watchmen. I have two copies. You can you can borrow one right tonight. We can, we can do a No, because every segment. time I hit his wall of text, I stop caring. Get through it. Come I on, will. what are you, four? Yeah, read yeah, through it. Five, six. Get, can you get through chapter four at least? Get through a third of it and then see how you, how you are there? God. I will read it. I will get Holy through it. Shit. Look, I've been reading a lot of the older like epics lately, and those are just walls of text, anyways. I mean, I mean, oh, the Iliad you're reading? You mean? No, no, no. Well, I like those. No, I, I read epic poetry all the time. I love that shit. But uh, no, like, like old X Men comics, any old any comic from the eighties. Have you ever tried reading it? I mean, there's a reason why it's called a comic book back then because it's a lot more book than it is comic. It's sure. just like a picture of a a sad face, you know, and it's just text. It's just fucking words. It's like, okay, I got it. I should just read a normal book. Yeah, you should. I haven't read a book in about probably two years. Unfortunately, the last thing I read was the compilation of Ray Bradbury, I Sing the Body Electric. That was the last one I, I read. That was like two years ago. I got to get a book. I used to like, usually like reading the Tom Clancy like thrillers. You know, you can read them within like a couple weeks. You know, stuff like that. They're I read, entertaining. I think I mentioned it. I read the Four Ring books. Um, I couldn't get through the Lord of the Rings. No, not Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, like rings. Ring. I read the four Ring books like maybe two months ago. Blew through those; those were good. And now I'm slowly reading my way through um, a mythology book by a guy. It's not Edith Hamilton's mythology. It's a different guy. Matter of fact, uh, one of our listeners sent it to me, and that's it's good. 
But I, I always like different takes on mythology. So you, I came out with a new video, um, uh, WWF Games, which I, I actually filmed that. I wanted to get it out before WrestleMania and, and stuff happened. <laughs> I, I filmed it the day before WrestleMania, though, and I figured, I actually said to myself, I'm such an idiot. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can edit an 18-minute video in a day, which I did one time, actually. I know. Uh, Mr. Gimmick, you remember that? Yeah. I went nuts and I got it done for Portland Retro Gaming Expo back in, like, what was that, 2011. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I freaking did that i still don't know but i did it probably because i stayed up to like five in the morning doing it but um um, so ian you actually you don't watch any of my videos usually i don't think you even watch oh you watch some of the podcast videos because you're in them but you actually i don't like listening to my own voice but you actually watched this review i did i did i wanted to um see the wwf games and it's not that i don't watch any of your reviews i don't watch most (laughs) of your reviews uh, you don't watch eighty percent of them no let's 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 it's probably forty percent of them that i don't watch um well, that's not but, most, then. So, I enjoyed your newest review. Um, I liked it because it was on a topic that I, I was familiar with. And we actually agreed on a lot of points uh, going in, because we didn't discuss it beforehand. But, like, the best thing about the, the first WrestleMania game is the music. Like, the entrance themes are out of control. Yeah. Fantastic, and stuff like that. I should have commented that DiBiase was not using his theme. He didn't have a theme, I yeah, think, by he that point. Yeah, he didn't, I was thinking of the later 89. Um, you know, he gets some really cool, like, his, like, uh, like, I don't the know. Strike Force. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, you didn't come across too corny. Um, I, one of the things that I do like about your reviews is that there is something very soothing about listening to you talk about a game. That is, I think, your strongest point is when you're doing the gameplay and you're talking, I become kind of entranced. It's almost scary. Really? Yeah. Just the voice, very smooth, mellow tone. It's just you know you do it you do you do it well. Um, <laughs> the uh, the scene with you and Frank was uh, great. I wish I could have recorded it. Um, the, the beginning and ending. Eh, well, no, no, just the ending one. That was fun. Okay. Um, you know, uh, a couple good outtakes, by the way. That'll come out at some nice. point. Nice. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I knowing Frank like you do, I also know you know Frank has some actual wrestling background, so it was fun to see him get you at the end there. We actually choreographed that to some extent, believe it or not. Wow, that's and we we actually and he was probably pissed about that too. He was yes, like, "We're not doing this fake choreography bullshit." Well, no, well, <laughs> he wanted to make sure he actually. I actually told. I actually showed him where I wanted us to end up on the ground. Right. So we actually had to go backwards and figure out how. How he would start uh, the move so it's actually cool seeing figure out he's actually he actually got into it. it was like, okay so if i do this i'll do this move to you and do that and so okay we actually figured it out and then one take we actually like really hurt our i hurt my elbow really bad uh-huh. like really bad he hurt his hip and you were like ah and it was like only the second take we did like five takes of that oh uh, yeah that's, and never mind I, I wouldn't want to be around that that would have been miserable but um, um th- there was actually a, then we then i don't know if you noticed there was a few times we cut back to me and frank looking on the couch yeah in between the videos not too much i think it was like only twice in between the the bumpers yeah we actually sat down on the couch and talked about he i actually had him just go off on wrestling for like 20 minutes and i fed him stuff but we didn't use any of it. It could be a whole other video where he just talks about why wrestling's so bad and why all the moves are fake. And, and it just didn't fit for time or for tone. But he's just pretending to look at the computer like that, arms folded, just going off on wrestling. I said, what do you think about, I said, like, what do you think about Mr. Perfect? He's like, ugh. He's talking about how like, they're all steroided up. It was really funny. But no, thank you for watching the video. That's, I appreciate that. Eight I feel point- like- 8.2. 8.2. Now, that's a bad review to a lot of people. 8.2 I mean, out of 10. <laughs> um, you know, would 
recommend will maybe... Is that a rent or a buy? What is that? That's a rental. It's a solid rental on today's <laughs> uh, today's rating scale. It's a solid rental. Please be kind. Rewind. And uh, I'll tune in next year for one of my choosing. If I'm still doing it, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the show a little bit. We have a decent amount of topics. Can't believe we started somewhat on time. Um, hey, I can start with uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. If you go in on that. Is it the first movie this summer blockbuster season we both actually saw? Yeah. I since mean, you didn't see Amazing Spider-Man and I didn't see Godzilla, so, we could talk about this. So, X-Men Days of Future Past came out and uh, Vani and I went to go see it. Pat's seen it. Uh, actually, Pat and I have not exchanged any opinions as to what we thought about it yet. So, this is all new to us. Um so before we get into what we thought, basically Days of Future Past, this will probably contain spoilers. Oh, this, this, this is going to be spoiler this, heavy. This really. is probably going to be spoiler heavy. Turn off so, right now. Yeah, if, if, you, don't. if you don't want to know. Um, so uh, Days of Future Past is weird because it's it's held up in X Men mythology as as a as a. You're talking the comic story. Yeah, it, it it's held up as a as a, a pivotal moment, and it is. Um, but it's more pivotal because it it it's it's around it it happens during the arrival of Kitty Pride. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past, the actual arc, if you go out and you buy it in a book, in a trade now, the story that you go to, that they mimic in theaters, is two whole issues long from start to finish. It is incredibly short. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a Kitty Pride story. I mean, it's, 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 it's the story of her becoming an X-Man. Like, it's her, you know, proving her so worth. That, that was the about team. late 70s. Right? Uh, 81. 81. 81. Okay. So, that said, um, you know, it's got some good art, good stories. The whole Kitty Pride arrival thing has got some fun stories around it, the annuals that surround it, but the actual Days of Future Past is short, and it is nothing like what you see in the movie. The movie. Okay. My, my familiarity with it is the cartoon. Did an adaptation of it, uh, the late, uh, excuse me, early 90s cartoon, which was overall very, very right. good. And they did an adaptation of it, which, while I don't, while I've not read the, the comic, I think that was probably closer than the movies, even the, the cartoon was. That sure. said, I don't. I don't mind the fact that they had to change it. Obviously, no. I, I, I see. That's the thing. So to jump into what I what I think about the movie, and then we can discuss things. Is I really enjoyed it. I did. I thought it was fantastic. And there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, my my number one beef with it, just to get it out of the way, is Kitty Pride's my favorite X Man, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a fucking Kitty Pride story. And it took me a minute to get over that. But when I left the theater, I was like, that was so good. I don't really care that they changed so much. Yeah, it was an adaptation. It. it was an adaptation. Um, and Kitty Pryde didn't have a huge role in, in X-Men 3 anyway. She was in it, but she didn't have a huge role. Right. She was like a secondary character. So that's 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 the bad to any Kitty Pryde fan who was hoping that, you know, Days of Future Past would the be... The hardcore Kitty, Kitty Pryde fans They exist. I'm one of I'm them. I'm sure they are. Every every weird X-Men has a hardcore set of fans. Oh, like, oh. one of the only statues I own is a Kitty Pryde that oh. Vonnie got me last year for all my Oh, 75 X-Men members. That all, <laughs> each has a hardcore following. But here's what I loved about it. Um, it didn't... It didn't pander. Um, I, I I think I saw this somewhere, but it's true because I thought about it when we were watching it. I've never seen a superhero movie quite like Days of Future Past that did not fall over itself trying to explain origins mm-hmm. and backstory and anything. It was like, if you're here, you're probably here because you know what you're getting into. And there were. There were people around me in the theater who were confused. What's going on? What's this? What's that? But I, as a comic fan, enjoyed the movie more because they didn't... What were they confused about? The two different times? Well, the two different times and, you know, who's this character and where did this character come from? Okay, just to back up. So the the movie starts in the the near future 
yeah. with the X-Men getting obliterated. Right. You have um, a lot of the ones from the... Okay, this, this, if you don't know, you should. This combines both X-Men universes. It combines the original three movies as well as the, the two Wolverine uh, standalones. And it combines it with the very, very good first class movie that came out three years Which ago. Which I still need to see. I cannot believe you did not see that. And you really did not see this and did not see first class? To set it up. I don't need to. I've explained this before. I read comics. I don't need to see every but movie. But you didn't see the sense. characterizations of these people. No. How awesome McAvoy and Fassbender were well, in I the do, original I do one. Think and how I, that carried over. I, I, I mean, I do think McAvoy and Fassbender are fantastic in Days of I Future. cannot believe you, you just said that. You didn't see it. I, I, really. I don't see every movie. I don't see okay. a lot of movies. All right. That said, so they didn't explain, like, they show uh, Warpath. They show yeah, uh, Bishop. I, mean, I think people... Were, uh, people Blinks, were, who I'd never even heard of before the movie, honestly. Blinks. And then there was a, another character that was fiery, almost like Human Torch. I had no idea who that was. I thought that was Pyro, but then Pyro, I know, doesn't flame up. So it wasn't him, it was someone else. So there were, those four characters were totally new. Didn't explain. I didn't mind because I figured, hey, they're just mutants helping out. I, obviously, I recognized Warpath and I recognized um, Bishop. I recognized Okay, I recognized them. Never, uh, you don't remember Blink? No. Oh, I, not I, blinks the cat. It was blink. Okay, no, it's just blink. Yeah, no. but uh, no. I mean, that I think that's what I'm referring to, though. Like, you have people like them that they just throw them in there with almost no explanation, and that's fine for someone like me. I'm like, boom, awesome, sweet, cool. I see all these characters. I'm like, this is awesome. What is also pretty cool is w- there are things that they weirdly adhere to from the comic. Like, like that lineup is. Is actually fairly accurate to the lineup that is for Days of Future Past. Yeah, is, that okay. is experiencing. Well, see, I didn't know that. So, so yeah, th- that that's weird. You know, I mean, Mystique does uh, feature heavily in in the the, well, the, 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 the original two issue you know story arc. So mm-hmm. they do get some of that right. Um, but man, I mean, McAvoy and Fassbender nail it in their well, scenes. Well, that's why, I mean, if, if you haven't seen the first one, the first movie's about them. This movie wasn't about them. This was a Mystique movie to me. This is heavily centered on Mystique as she had an actual character. She was the one that had the biggest character arc out of everyone. She's the one that drove the action. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, I guess, to me, and why what I like about how, how they... Another reason why I'm so happy with uh, how they handled... McAvoy and Fassbender, or more broadly Magneto and Xavier, is they don't factor in in any way, like they do in 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 the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the comic, it's it's Mystique, and she leads a Brotherhood of Mutants, and they're going to assassinate a politician as opposed to, uh, God damn it, what's his name? He's mentioned Trask. once. Trask. He's mentioned once in the entire comic. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's, it's different. So they had to find a new villain, and they they did it very very well. Whereas instead of Mystique being the main villain, Mystique is the torn between. You know, she's yes. she's the well, conflicted again, character. If you've seen the uh, uh, first class, she starts off at the side of Xavier, no, that and then she yeah. gradually leaves him, which is like sort of the heartbreaking moment of the movie. She goes with Magneto. Um, that was a smart move. Because uh, Jennifer Lawrence is a very, very good actress, and, and she so, did fantastic. In, and in that she's, role. I mean, she's already won an Oscar, and she's like what twenty two, twenty three, whatever yeah. she is. She was excellent in American Hustle. She got nominated for that too. She was excellent. I think she won a Golden Globe for that. And to put the movie on her really was smart, just for that alone, to make her that pivotal sort of sort of character that again drove the action, decides the basically ending of the movie, and decides everyone's fate and the fate of basically you know the mutants. Um, I thought it was great that they reconciled both uh, universes of the movie. Um, and Brian Singer, basically, this was his penance for ruining uh, X-Men 3 by leaving the project 
and giving it to Brett Ratner in X-Men 3 was absolutely horrific. Right. Just an awful, awful film. And he also ruined Superman by taking that movie and doing Superman Returns, which was not a good movie, but X-Men 3 was worse. So it was his penance for that in, in, in a few ways because it, this is a huge spoiler. This movie wipes out X-Men 3 from ever happening. Yes. This, is the, this could be the first time you ever have a, a movie that's been retconned. It's but they not did it happening. But they did it in such a great way. But, but how they did it was so amazing. Using because, using the time, basically time travel and time fixing itself. And, but but yeah. they didn't even have to invent it. It was there in the canon for them to yes. take. It was a couple of you know clever rewires. Boom, we've eliminated I actually, the shitty movie. I, I, I went with my lady friend and I actually cheered a little bit when I realized that they showed both um, uh, uh, Jean Grey and then they showed Cyclops. I was like, ah! Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Cyclops got so dicked over in those first three X-Men movies, he did so little that now when they do the next one, uh, he actually has a chance to actually become the leader of the team well, and it, do stuff. Again. And in the comic, it makes it's perfect because this is another thing they follow in the comic. He leaves right before Kitty Pride arrives. Okay, he's gone for all the days days of future past stuff. So, so it kind of worked. And then it. he comes back two issues after that. So, but the, so yeah, the they, fact of the matter is, so you basically have a chance now for. The next movie to continue from where X-Men 2 should have. Having Jean Grey not dead. Cyclops is not dead. Having all the rest of the cast. Having Colossus from X-Men 3. Having Kitty Pride, uh, Even having Jubilee had a cameo. Uh, not Jubilee. Sorry. Rogue. Not Jubilee. Rogue. Rogue. Yeah. And she actually had another uh, scene film that they actually cut out of the movie. So she actually had originally had a bigger part. So all the original cast that you loved... And even Beast, even had Kelsey Grammer yeah. for the Beast count. I was like, "This is fucking awesome!" That they f- they fixed the first time I ever think they actually fixed the movie from ever existing, yeah. and no one's complaining about it. So I thought that you was know. fantastic. I mean, just just how they fixed it, how they pulled interesting things from the comic, how they um, didn't necessarily. I I understand that if you make a superhero movie, you gotta explain some things, but I really like how they didn't over explain. Um, just thought it was great. I mean, it was, it was cool seeing Iceman actually actually ice, ice up, up because in X Men uh, three he does it for a split second and it was the cheapest thing ever. I was so pissed off. He actually iced up and you know went around. Iceman is probably my favorite X Men character. He's one of my favorites. And he was given short short. He was shortchanged too in X Men three, so he was there. You know, it was just very everything. I didn't even mind the Sentinel how they changed her look of the, the modern one because okay. it made sense in the story because because the original ones in the, in the early seventies. Uh, looked like more like the the, the classic. Yeah, one. so, so that, I didn't mind that. That was my thing when 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 we sat down and we watched it and you first got a look. I was like, I don't like these Sentinels, but they did a good job of explaining why they, they look the way they do. Sure. And then you get something that looks Sentinel esque in the seventies. Yes, so so they really did a good job of pleasing. Uh, dare I say, almost everyone. Yeah, they really did. And when you when you sit back and look at this. This is totally a. Uh, I mean, it's a comic movie, but it's so dramatic in terms of what goes on. There's there's not a lot of action scenes. Say, in the, this. the amount of action is is minimal, but you leave the movie not caring. No, you don't. And that's what a good comic book does. Obviously, yeah. you have a big finale, but compared to uh, Spider Man or compared to Captain America, the amount of action is minimal. The amount of actual combat is not that much. You see Magneto, Magneto lift the, the stadium and surround the White House. is a really cool visual. Yeah, but, was... I mean, there isn't a lot of actual combat going on between the characters, besides in the future where they, where they have to fend off the Sentinels. And actually, I didn't much... I mean, that was it, it was decent, but it was combat for the sake of combat. It was just... It was basically contrasting. It was to show you, 
here's what's going on, yes. and you get a couple of action scenes. But if if there was a weakness to the movie, I would almost say it's the action because it wasn't particularly. It's not that it was bad. It was just wasn't you, dynamic. Well, well, yeah, and you feel like they're throwing it in because they have to because they do. But honestly, it was never the action scenes that I was really looking forward to. I wanted well, them yeah. to further the plot. You basically see all the X Men in the future die twice. Yep. Basically, at the beginning of the movie, you see him die again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it has some weight to it. Seeing like Storm getting run through with Storm the blade. Storm was a pretty rough one. Yeah. Uh, Iceman was pretty rough getting his head cut off. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, stuff yeah. Like that, that. That. And crushed. I yeah. Think, yeah. Colossus got crushed too. Ripped, so. you know, Colossus got. Oh yeah, you're right. Colossus got ripped in two. Yeah, ripped into us, right? Oh, he got crushed in the in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, so it is rough seeing those X Men die, but uh, it's so great just seeing again. It, they rectified the third movie. Uh, we have Age of Apocalypse in 2016, um, so I'm gonna be looking forward to that because I, I actually I don't know. I, I guess it's confirmed they're gonna use the modern cast versus the first class cast. So is this gonna be the last movie with the with the excellent first class cast? I wonder how they're gonna well, do that going forward. It, I mean my hope is this was this was another thing that kinda disappointed me and it wasn't it wasn't the movie's fault, it's the story and the story was good, but it was cool seeing Storm. It was cool seeing Holly Berry with the short hair. It was cool that she had very few lines because she's not a good actress. So I was very no, but by I mean, that. I like, but I don't mind her as Storm. I it just, I, I'm thinking back to the first two X Men movies, which I enjoyed, and it was cool seeing Anna Paquin as it briefly as Rogue. She didn't, she, she never factored into um, Days of Future Past in the comic, anyways. But she was an integral part of the, all three movies. Yes, um, so it's cool seeing them all. But it's like I told Vani as we were leaving. Um, you know, Hugh Jackman's not getting any. Any younger, and but he still looks. He looks better. Than he yeah, and and I mean, you know, Kitty Pride's a young character, and I mean, I mean, and so is uh, she's cute. I like her. And I forget her name. Um, what character are you talking about? Pride. Uh, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. So I mean, I feel like if I feel like they've got a move. I feel like they've got one more movie where all these characters are believably their characters. I mean, sure. I, I mean, the X Men can age a little bit. I mean, Halle Berry. She's she's got to be mid forties by now. Hugh Jackman's forty five. He looks so much younger because he's ripped. He looks—he's in way better shape than he was ten years ago. But, you know, so, I mean, I mean, the benefit of playing Wolverine is Wolverine looks sure. grizzled and old. But 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 uh, again, I think this is great that you're gonna have another movie in two years. Hopefully, I, again, I don't know if they're gonna bring back the uh, not seeing Fastbender ever again uh, as Magneto is, is, would be a shame because he's so fantastic yes. as it. But then you're gonna get a chance to see the original team reunite. I'm very happy about that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I had little complaints with the movie. I thought it was, it surprised me. I loved first class, uh, but this was better. This was, you know, I, like I said, it was a mystique movie, but I didn't care. No, like I said, I, Jennifer Lawrence was really good. I, 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 I loved it. My big complaint was that it was the wrong main character. And by the end, I just didn't care. It was, I also, it was just good. the other part about it is that while Wolverine was in it, he was not the star of the movie, which I finally... There was an X movie with Wolverine that he was not the star of. I feel like he was basically. I, I maybe no, I would disagree no, there. He, he was there to get it going, and then but then once it gets to the final scenes in the middle, he doesn't really do much. He just kind of sits around. No, but he carries the plot. I'm not saying he's he he's propels the plot, but he's not the main character. He isn't. He really isn't. I mean, I, that's fair. I mean, you're right. I guess. To I mean, half the time when they go back to the future, he's just stuck there in, in the head, and then. If he doesn't do anything at the ending, he's useless with his bone claws. Yeah. Which, by the way... Oh, that was awesome to see. Which, by the way... Well, you didn't see the Wolverine Lancer, did you? No, I didn't. Oh, Jesus Christ. So that's where that comes from. I don't want to see that. I mean, I heard it was... It was really good. Uh, it was my, good. My brother's a massive Wolverine fan, and he was like, eh, I don't want to know. It was, it was better than Wolverine Origins. <laughs> it was uh, a lot better. Oh, but but quickly, he, he gets his adamantium uh, for his claws ripped out in that, in that one. That's I, why. 
quickly, no pun intended, uh, Quicksilver's scene was great. And, really good. And it's a shame that it's not going to be that Quicksilver in... No. Yeah, that's that's a that was a probably the the most well put together scene in the entire movie was Quicksilver's attack scene and seeing him in his almost in his real time yeah. run around the room take out all the all the uh, enemy agents and the I love it when guns. he's pushing the little when he's pushing the bullets he's pushing around. the bullets he's just tapping the guys in the cheek to, to knock them out yep. he's going so quickly <laughs> you know and re- really funny the, I forgot he was listening to that song. Uh, that '70s song, I forget which one it was, but it was real, it was very appropriate. And yeah, he'll I don't know, maybe he'll show up as an extra old one in in the next movie, maybe not. But yes, he's gonna show up as a different actor in uh, the next Avengers movie next year already, which is weird to think about. And um, yeah, it'll be a different character, and you're gonna have Scarlet Witch in, right. in in the Marvel universe. But we'll see what happens with that. So there you go. You have homework to do. You have to see First Class. Uh, first Class, I plan on seeing. I, I didn't see it at the time because I was. Uh, being one of those annoying fanboys, and I was just like, it's not fucking. It, here's the thing, but it's not the comic; book. it's the movie universe. It's yeah. gonna be different. I know, I know, but if they could just stop, I'm over it now, and I'll go back and see First Class. But First Class was not the First Class. Oh Jesus Christ! Days of Future like Past Frank. was barely Days of Future Past. It's a different I, medium. I read the just... read the damn comic book if you want it to be exactly I, the same. It doesn't need to be the exact same. I just I. Ex- expectations. I'm over it now. Days of Future Past has cured me of it. Age of Apocalypse, <laughs> there's no way Age of Apocalypse is going to be anywhere near what the comic was. So, I'm just, you know, I'm just looking forward to it for what it is because they've proven to me that they can take an idea and turn it into a reasonable movie. I just think it's funny that you're going to have like you're going to have Age of Apocalypse uh a year after basically well Thanos is not going to be the main villain. He won't be until uh 2018, but you're going to have this time frame where you're going to have Thanos Apocalypse and par- possibly maybe Dark City even in the Justice League movie. Who knows? It's just funny they have like the three big sort yeah. of villains like that in the same movie. All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. So, it doesn't like anything. Yeah, you guys I, don't like any movies I, and games. I hate stuff. I hate. I hate everything. <laughs> Let's talk about something else that I thought was good, um, kind of good. So there was a. We will try to rein this one in a little bit. Um, there was another WWE pay-per-view this past Sunday. It was Payback. And uh, overall, I thought the work was pretty good. Um, the Real quick, the Cesaro and Sheamus match was fun to watch. Um, I am I know that he's a, a guy that splits people, but I find Sheamus likable. Are and, you going match by match breakdown? No, I'm doing? not. Okay. I just said I'm going <laughs> to talk about a couple. Call me tits. Um, I... Uh, it's nice to see Sheamus's work rate go up. That was a fun match. Uh, the the he always wa- puts on a solid match. Sheamus, well, I feel. he he's doing better now, and I think when you put him up against someone like Cesaro, it's really easy to have a good match. You might be motivated with Cesaro, right? Um, the real quick, just the Wyatt Cena match, the uh, Last Man Standing ten count was just a huge improvement over their abysmal cage match. Uh, it made okay. both of them look good. Uh, I didn't see the cage match. I skimmed through this. Dude, one. the cage match was miserable. Um, and then lastly, what I wanted to really talk about, what I was happy with, was uh, the, the, the main event was um, S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Evolution. And why I liked it so much was not only was it a decent match, um, but they let the S.H.I.E.L.D., which is all new guys, newcomers. They've which, been a year and a half. Yeah. There. Which, I mean, WWE is notorious for holding down their young talent. They let them run through. So the, the match was a six-man tag. And it was elimination style, meaning when someone got pinned, that was not the win. You had to eliminate every member of the tag team to win. And they let um, 
they let the shield run through evolution. Absolutely zero pinfalls on evolution's side. On shield side. And, uh, well, evolution didn't get any pinfalls. Okay. Uh, which is incredible because they put over three young guys over three of their top old well, talent. And, 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 they were put over the month before though too. They, they were, were, but but not even not so. in not in a way like this. Problem is, is in the next day on Raw they 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 they, they, they turn okay. they turn let's, Rollins. Well, let's back up right okay. now. Uh, Daniel Bryan just had neck surgery like two weeks ago, so I think I think he's going to be back for the next pay per view. I haven't read all up on the dirt sheets yet, but I think it went very well that. It was supposed to be like a six to eight week recovery, so he's gonna be back. So hopefully, hopefully, I don't have to take the title off because that would really be a shame after all the build up and him finally getting it. That said, right now the hottest angle in the coming by far is that Shield versus Evolution. It's the hottest angle by far. Sure. What Cena and Wyatt is is a uh, doing very well though as well, and I do like where they're kind of taking that, and I do like where they have taken it. And Bray has been built up a lot through that feud, yeah. wonderfully. So so basically uh, on uh, beginning of Raw. Uh, Triple H comes out with, with Orton and Batista and are like, we're not done with you guys. We're just getting started. We have a plan. And Batista, which actually was a good move for his character, said, no, I said, I'm done with the shield. I came back and I, I was supposed to be getting got, supposed to be given a one-on-one match with the champ for winning the Royal Rumble. That has not happened. I'm out of here. And he, and he quote-unquote quits. He's probably taking time off to help, you know, help promote Guardians of the Galaxy for the next couple months. Or maybe he'll be back in a couple weeks. But the whole point was that he walked out. It actually makes sense storyline wise. I had no problem with that. So then they they set up they set up a, a match for the end with uh, what Orton against uh, what was it Roman Reigns at the end of Raw? Yeah, I, I just I just saw it like two days ago and I still don't remember. So anyway, the match comes up. All members come down, and then the Shield's ready to hold them off in the ring. Seth Rollins grabs a chair. Unfortunately, they kind of choreographed it with the, with the widescreen. They saw him holding it. He takes out Roman Reigns with a chair. And Dean Ambrose's face of shock was sold so well and acted so well. Did you see the the big meme that was going around? No, I it didn't. was it was the the classic Simpsons scene at the top where uh, Ralph is next to Lisa and Bart says, "Look, you can see the exact moment where his heart breaks," oh, and okay. it was superimposed over over that face. And but I this, mean, this was important yeah. though. And this is, I'll get this reason. He acted that as well as you could have expected someone basically, almost like your brother stabbing you in the back, basically right. is how he acted. He was in shock for like five to ten seconds, and the crowd went stunned. And that, that's to me why it was so beautiful, because the crowd did not expect it at all. And it's the first time I've seen something in wrestling that was not expected in a very, very long time to this level. So he beats the hell out of He bends the chair almost in half, breaking it over Dean Ambrose's back. He does his... Over uh, Ambrose? Cur- yeah. Oh, okay. He breaks it over Ambrose's back. Seth Rollins. He only hit. He only hit Roman Reigns with it once. Okay. He breaks it over. He hit him like eight times with the chair. Did the curb curb stomp on the chair to Ambrose. So Ambrose is out like a light. Then he, then the, everyone comes in, and beats the hell out of, out of Roman Reigns. And then there you go. They're standing tall. And then that's and so basically he's joined Evolution. Seth Rollins. Well, and I, so and so this is this is where we're going to disagree. Um, I, I thought. While the time in it had the best of it, I think it was very smart to do that, and they picked the perfect member of the Shield to do that, and this is why. Uh, Seth Rollins was always the guy that said that he's a guy that probably won't be the guy that makes it. He's a guy that doesn't... Uh, Dean Ambrose is outstanding on the mic. Yeah. He won't have a problem. Roman Reigns has great charisma and a great look. I'm not sure he's going to be successful long-term because he's the weakest wrestler of the three, Yeah, but, okay. so he's, but he's fine. Rollins was a guy that kind of was getting lost. While he was decent on the mic, really good in ring... He's like he's a smaller guy, kind of. He's a high flyer. 
Turning him heel now pushes him up, elevates him. Now he's the one that gets noticed. The other two guys would have been fine on their own. I say that is fair. I just I feel like you have such you had such momentum with the shield you did. that that that, you that did. to end it. I mean, a year and a half is abrupt. Not anymore, though. That's the thing. Not for wrestling now. Okay, see, In yeah. the 80s, it was. Not anymore see, when you I'm, have two shows a week. You know, you have... You know what I mean? You have all these televised events. I'm going back to when... I mean, I'm going back to even late 90s. But, uh, you know, year and a half... What I'm really talking about is is Shield as faces. I mean... Well, yeah, for faces, it's only been about three and a half months. Four right. months. So, I mean, I, I do agree with what you say. Because I very much like Seth Rollins. He's a very good wrestler. And I think part of his problem is that he, he doesn't... He doesn't... I don't know. He, he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't stand out. He doesn't have much of a voice. Yes. Reigns has a presence. Um, uh, Ambrose is just. Um, it's, 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 I, I love Ambrose. I yes. mean, Ambrose is probably my favorite of the, of the oh, three. But, yeah, Ambrose is, is actually Roman Reigns is my least favorite of the three. Yeah, no, because he, he has he the is. weakest mic skills and he's weakest in the ring. Yeah, finishes, I don't. Finishes, I don't give a shit. He about, finishes with a spear in 2014. I don't. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I don't honestly care if you have a nice look and charisma. If you don't have mic skills. You're not going to go far. I don't. I don't. Look, hate I look at Ryback. You yeah, know, he sort of fell off. I mean, I like yeah. all three of them, but I mean, I it, it definitely would go Ambrose for me, Rollins, and Reigns. So you know, my, by putting him with some stronger characters, maybe he can learn some things. I just feel that. Well, I think now he's he's like pushed him almost near main event, if not main event status, just from doing that. Right. That's why. And here's the thing: if they split up amicably. One of them would have got lost by default. It's true. One of them would have been lost. You can't. It's hard to push three guys breaking up from a group, let alone two in a tag. Whenever they break up a tag team, one guy's always lost. Out of these three, one of them would have lost. Now none of them are going to get lost because now they can. They can. This storyline can go forward now for another few months. Where um, I'm not sure the Shield will recruit someone else, but they're going to be fighting for their lives. The two of them together. They can now, do Ambrose two man tag, yes. right? That's interesting. I mean, here's a couple ways I look at. They can do two man tag. They can recruit. I mean, I don't want them to do that, but. I feel like if they did it in, if you want a good match, you let Evolution wrestle against Ambrose and Reigns as uh, Rollins and Orton. But but, but th- I think it's great though because now th- you have this thing now where Ambrose was always sort of not the odd man out, but Ambrose is such a wild card that he, when they teased the breakup, you thought Ambrose was going to be the one. This is why again it was so brilliant. Ambrose you thought was going to be one that was going to was going to be the one that turned about three four months ago and he right. didn't. He came back and then Rollins. Taught him a lesson by stepping out of there that three man tag, let him get beat up. Then Rollins is the one that turns, and he was quote unquote the architect of the shield. He was the, supposedly the brains behind it, and he's the one that turns. So now you have these two wrestlers that will probably be intertwined for the rest of their careers in one way or the other, and they couldn't be more different, Ambrose and Roman Reigns. But that's that's a very interesting dynamic to me, just to have those two together like that. Last thing, it's I like would... Mr. T and and uh, and um, the crazy one from A Team. You know, that's that's why Mad Dog Murdoch. Murdoch. I was my nickname was Murdoch. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for 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 my senior year. This is why I'm not going to say why, but my senior year high school. I drink a lot of Mad Dogs. No, um, (laughs) wasn't that. Uh, So the last thing I'll throw out there about this real quick is uh, it has crossed my mind a couple times. I haven't seen if anyone else thinks maybe the same way. Do you think this might be a short-term heel turn? Do you think this no. is a tactic, or do you think this is a permanent? This is permanent. This is a permanent has, turn for for the shock of the crowd. This cannot be like a, a, a shitty swerve from WCW Nitro '99, where it was only two. No, this is permanent, and it has to be for the betterment of everyone for it to happen. Yeah. No, again, I, again, maybe maybe they could have waited a couple more months to do, done it. Maybe SummerSlam, but I think doing it at this point, no one was expecting it. That that was so great about it. Again, I haven't I haven't seen a crowd this shocked minus Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker. 
before that, I don't, I can't remember the last time a crowd was a shocked. It, well, ha- it has to be at least six, seven years. Well, you like their booking or not, you can really say that. I mean, WWE's done some things to oh, keep no. the crowd on their this toes. Is, yeah, and they're pushing young talent. Yeah. Besides Dolph Ziggler, who's gotten you know he's been, and Damian Sandow, who are now shit upon. But besides them, everything else has been great. Sandow, whatever. But Ziggler, I like. Ziggler's yeah, Ziggler's been getting jobbed out the past like six, seven months, which is ridiculous because he was world heavyweight champ, world heavyweight champion a year ago. You know. But anyway, so that's right. great, and it's also great because now Evolution has Triple H in the mentoring role. He's older now, obviously. He's and he looks it. He's in his mid forties now. Um, and, and then you have Orton as the the current guy. So he was how Triple H was ten years ago, and now the young guy who was Orton ten years ago is now Seth Rollins. Always, so it's pretty good. I always want Orton to be better than he is. He's fine. He's, He's okay. just not outstanding. Yeah, He's, exactly. He never puts on a bad match, but never puts on a match that right. goes, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. You know. All right, moving on from that. So this is one that I think people have been thinking about, and I'll start it. Um, Pat's doing a review on it. Oh. Uh, WWF games? No. Oh. <laughs> All right, so the Retron Five, um, the Retron Five, the only one. It's finally out. It's it's at, well, as of Friday the sixth. It's out. You can order it. Well, retail stores like Luna got started getting their shipments about a week ago, and uh, the way that Hyperkin is doing it is you get four per store. So we managed to get eight, and uh, I got to take one home and screw around with it. Uh, it was uh, my coworker Chris's, and uh, we ripped it open. and We put it through a, a, a pretty quick test of things, and uh, you know, you like, tweeted it out, huh? And you tweeted yeah, it out. Tweeted it out. I was drinking a little. We were having some fun. Um, for those of you who are interested in the Retron Five, there's a couple of things that I will say first and foremost. There's two things. I'm going to give you the big positive. I'm going to give you the big negative. Um, the big positive is everything that it outputs. Video quality and sound, if you're using the HDMI, which is your only option, is fantastic. The upconversion on this is all you need for it. It includes a ton of filters, and you can turn them all off. Don't ever need, don't use the filters because filters filters were used for 2D games that were not upconverted to make them look nicer. If you've already got this upconversion yes. in there, you don't need yeah. a filter. They were made to look like nice on a computer, right? Now yeah. you can use something like a Super Eagle to give it like a weird sketchy look, but you don't. If you, no one's going to do it because they want to. So all the filters are there as fancy window dressing. Um, the big negative is Hyperkin's uh, Hyperkin's claim of 100% compatibility couldn't be further from the truth. It's not even close. And they do have um, a recent update patch, but I, that no, still I, doesn't fix it. No. Um, I, I'm going to come out with a full review of this. Hopefully, by the time you are watching this on YouTube, click below right here, and that will be where my full probably 10-minute review it will be. So I'm not going to give everything away right now, unfortunately. I will say this, though. I was not this is to both Hyperkin's, I guess, pros and cons. I was not surprised at some things that I saw going through it, and I was surprised by some things going through it. I was surprised that certain things were compatible, and I was uh, was surprised also that some things were not compatible. So things that I could, thought a mil- and not in a million years would be compatible were, and things I said, why isn't that compatible? Weren't. I was scratching my head why. If they're claiming they're claiming for going for 100% compatibility, I understand this is going to be firmware upgradable and software upgradable, and I did review it, having upgraded both, but they're not close right now. Right. They're I not mean, close. And this isn't blowing anything in your review. This is something that I tweeted out, but I'm, I was absolutely gobsmacked that Sonic 3 and Knuckles didn't work out of the box. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? 
Eat, eat well, me. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I now I understand. As, as soon as you start to kind of get your head around how the Hyperkin Retron 5 is working, it makes sense, but it's yes. still inexcusable that they well, did not have that Let's fixed. talk about it. Okay. This is, what this system, this is an emulation machine. Yes. It's not a hardware console. When you put a cartridge in, you actually see a progress bar. Yes. It loads your cartridge into memory, and you are playing the ROM that you yes. just dumped. You are ripping the ROM into temporary memory. There is 1.2 gigs internal memory that I'm guessing it goes somewhere there, and it holds it until you take the cartridge out, and then it, it deletes that ROM from its memory. That's how the system works. Correct. So, which is funny, because you technically don't need the cartridge inserted after it loads the ROM. But they said they implemented that function that if you pull the cartridge out, you can't play anymore to combat piracy. Whatever. It's a nice function. It almost, it almost has you pretending it to be an actual console when it really isn't, when it's just an emulation machine. I think, I think what... what I think you're going to enjoy this console more if you already have experience with emulators. You know the ins and outs. You work with save states, uh, which obviously this supports. Uh, cheat files, which I personally never use, but that's included, which is not documented in the manual at all, which that was one thing that annoyed me. They did announce it, though. I mean, they, they, they've announced I mean, that, but why it's not, it's not in the manual? manual. No, 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 it's in the manual. It's just oh. not documented what the, what the frick it is. Oh. <laughs> it, it says, yes, if you, if you, it says basically in the manual... .xml files. Yes, if you use cheat files, this is how you use them. You put them in, like, but it doesn't tell you, like, what the process is. Okay, for, I mean, we just, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just, that's very nitpicky. I would I would probably would never use a cheat file, but here's a spoiler. It doesn't support Game Genies, so you're going to need to use those cheat files to put the Game Genie codes in that way. So, like I said, I think it's it's geared more towards that audience, a more modern audience. Um, in short, will it replace all your systems that it promised to the nes famicom super famicom super nintendo uh sega mass system with playing through the genesis game boy advanced game boy color and game boy no it's no. not going to replace it at this point however a year down the line two years down the line if they do what they promised to continually upgrade this restaurant five it has potential yeah but right now right now it's not there does that mean i'm going to recommend it or not not gonna say. Well, I'll, go I'll, go the full review for that. I'll say what I have to say. This is this is what I will tell customers, and this is what I've been telling customers. Um, if you want the most bang for your buck, if you're just getting into it, it's 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 a good value for for what you get. Now, mm -hmm. I do tell them that the I always make sure that they know that the compatibility is kind of a mess right now, and they it have is. to be comfortable with upgrading firmware. Not that it's difficult, but they're they're going to need to do up firmware upgrades out of the box. Um, I tell them that I find the, the, the controller to be pretty shitty. That's where we might disagree a little bit. Well, little bit, I like but... the micro stick. My problem is, is it feels like the PDP fight pads that I have, and those were nice, but um, those micro switches on those thumbsticks, mm -hmm. if they're not made with high quality, those micro switches are going to go dead. That's my main concern. I think I think it's fine for what they are. Obviously, it's, if you had the system, you're not going to use them anyway. Well, it's way better than what was included with the Retron 3. That's what I mean. So, I mean when it, I used it, I was like, wow, this feels nice. I mean, this is this is not... I said this myself, this isn't awful. No, it's, it's not awful. Um, it's not ergonomic. I felt the edges, you know, digging into my fingers after a while after playing. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it's, I, I'm the same way I am with all these clones. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. The build quality is still not great. It's the, iffy. The cartridge connectors are tight, 
and I too tight, but too, yes, and I they won't, yeah, they, won't they won't go anytime soon because of that. You know? Well, and I almost felt like I was gonna break the thing trying to get a Nintendo cartridge out. It was my 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 friend's unit. The cartridge connector was so tight that I I literally called him over and said, "You take it out because I'm not breaking your system." The tight ones on my system, the tightest ones were Genesis. Was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I had to like really hold it down and get them out. And Super Nintendo. Nintendo wasn't awful for mine, but it was the Genesis and Super Nintendo. I was like. I had to like go back and forth again. It was that bad. Um, but again, maybe they'll loosen up after a while. I don't know. I'd rather, rather have it more tight than loose because then it won't get a nice snug fit. Then again, here's the thing though. Here's the big thing. This is not a spoiler. It does not have composite output. Yeah. That's going to be an absolute killer to some people. Right. Here's the thing. If you buy, if you buy a, um, a converter, you're going to spend the cheapest ones I saw online. Ian says they're shit. 25 to $30 for a converter from Hong Kong. For a good one, maybe fifty or sixty dollars. Now you're looking at two hundred dollars for the system to, to play it on your CRT. Obviously, if you do that, you're going to lose the upscaling. It'll still look nice, yeah. but you're going to lose the upscaling. Um, again, that's a killer to some people. No, and I think that's another thing that I, I bring up to people too is because a lot of my customers have retro game rooms with CRT TV specifically, yes. and I actually lost not one. I lost two purchases, and they were quickly bought up by other people who wanted them. But I lost two purchases on the Retron Five. Because it doesn't have um, RCA out. Yes, um, and and this is why it's a shame. You're spending. I mean, when this was originally uh, going to be a hundred dollars, it's like okay, a hundred dollars. They obviously they went through some issues in the fall where there was something to the fact that they got their they got the build of the consoles back and they were very disappointed. So they had to basically push it back and start from scratch. That's probably why the cost went up forty. The cost went up literally forty percent from a hundred dollars to one forty. That said, I'm not sure how much it would cost per unit to put composite output on. Maybe a few dollars. I don't know. But for $140, that would have been nice. Because now I'm looking at this console thinking, oh, we could have used this on the on the uh, marathon. NES Marathon. We're going to have to buy a converter and test it out. But the way the compatibility is now, I will not be using this for the NES Marathon. There's no. too many things that do not work with it. Again, some are going to surprise you. Some won't. One licensed car in the A's doesn't work, which I was shocked at that it did not work. I was shocked that it didn't work. And so I'm not sure how many of these they tested before, how it many they're wrong. shocked, folks. I was. I actually got a second uh, 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 backup car and tested it to make sure that it wasn't the one car. And I was like, wow, okay, not even all the licensed NES games worked. I only tested about 20 to 25 NES games total, which is probably more than most of the other people that have already reviewed it, like IGN. But uh, I, I try to get a good variety. Uh, but that one I chose, I'm glad I chose that one because I said if that doesn't work as a licensed cart, I don't know what other licensed carts aren't going to work. Did you, well, I'll ask you this question. And I tested, and I tested at, least, at least one of every unlicensed uh, cart company. That's what I did. And I, and I tested three MMC5 chip uh, games. So that's how I did it. So I went through, I, went through, I put it through its paces. I, I spent a lot of time. That's why I mean the review I would wish I, they I didn't get get it from Hyperkin until Monday they, they they basically shipped it out a week after they said they would or else it would have been out by now but um no it's um like I said it's I, I'm not gonna say well I'm gonna recommend it now wait for that review which click right there it's there um some people are gonna love this some people are not gonna like it but the firmware upgrade is gonna be the saving grace because it it'll be able to correct a lot of issues the one it won't be able to correct though is that. No light gun support uh, by default because there's no CRT support. That's yeah. that's to me that to me is really glaring. I almost wish I had a converter so I can test the zapper. But another spoiler. Here's a spoiler. Menace- it's a spoiler of your own review of the system. You're exactly. Not, you're not really spoiling shit. Super, Super scope doesn't work. 
Menacer will not work. In theory, you, you might be able to use those on, on an LCD anyway because there's a sensor. No, I, there's, it's, there's, it's, there's still like... Either way, when you plug in the sensors, uh, basically, I think the Retron doesn't even recognize those as a real controller. So the other controller, like if you say, so if you have a Genesis controller in port one and the Menacer uh, adapter in port two, you can't access anything. The same thing. So like it, it basically freezes the system. Um, so those are glaring issues. There are good, good points to this system. They, yeah. Everything, everything that does work looks and sounds gorgeous. Like I said, it, it, gorgeous. It, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, we were looking at like uh, Irem's dinosaur land that we were playing. Vani has a copy of that for some reason. I, where she got it, I don't know. Um, looks amazing. I think this is a good solution. Um, provided now, I, I need to wait a month until I see lo- like longevity and how well these things. Are oh, built. they better. They and they, well, they yeah. better well, have firmer up, up, updates two years from now. So, you know, but to fix some of the stuff. I, I think it's a good solution if you have a modern living room and you want to play some old games. If you're a hardcore old school gamer, I am a, a, a bit more hesitant, especially if you already have everything set up around a nice CRT. Sh- yeah. I mean, it's easy to recommend to a lot of people, but there are... De- I mean, it's kind of the same thing Pat's saying. It's easy to recommend to a lot of people. But not to it, everyone. But not to everyone. Maybe that's where we'll, we'll, we'll leave that at for now. Yeah. Click on the review. Those listening right now, wait a day until it comes out. I'll try to get the review out on Friday. Friday the uh, the, the 6th. 6th. The 13th. That's I'll be the next week. Oh, next oh, no. All right. <laughs> where where are we at? So, um, we, we spoke about this two weeks ago on the podcast about PDP. Pelican was coming out with a GameCube-style controller for the Wii U, mostly because of, obviously, for um, the new Smash Brothers. But also because they're going to start selling, probably going to be announced at E3, they're going to start selling GameCube titles as, uh, you know, downloadable on the Wii U. Which I said that, I said that three years ago they were going to do that. Um, Congrats for predicting well, the Well, you know, well, you know, no backwards compatibility, which pissed me off. You're a fucking shaman. <laughs> So, but this is what's like, now more surprised, but this makes me happier because now people will be able to use their original GameCube controllers on the Wii U with the handy adapter that's coming out. This upsets me so much. Why does this upset you? Look, it okay. There are a couple of things I get calls for every single day at work. Stadium events? No. Pokemon. <laughs> I get calls for uh, Mario Kart. Smash Brothers every day. Uh-huh. I get calls all day, every day, for GameCube controllers. Really? Now, here's the problem, okay? The reason why it's so hard to find a GameCube controller, and the reason why people are asking so much for GameCube controllers, a good first-party one, is because Nintendo made GameCube controllers for one system. One. And then they spread them out to two systems. And now they're spreading them out to three systems. And you know what? The Pelican PDP ones don't fucking count because if there is one group of people I know who love their first-party controllers more than anything, it's the GameCube controller. And I can't necessarily blame them. I, I mean, I really... So, I mean, yes, it's nice, but it's it's putting such a strain on such a small supply. Okay. No, what I want to see is, what is this going to do to the value of a GameCube controller? What are they worth now at your store? 20 bucks? I don't sell them i keep them i only sell them with system with real systems okay. so everyone gets an official controller and we finally found a couple of we finally found one decent third-party brand we think no return well yet. you'll have like but, you'll have like hyperkin or retrobit making theirs then. no but it was oh, fuck. okay um it was, <laughs> I, 
I mean, so the, the Yobo ones were okay, but no, the, 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 the trigger buttons get faulty. The, the new ones, the new Circa ones, which I think is a subdivision of Hyperkin, those ones look decent. But still, like I said, it doesn't matter because people who really want to play with a GameCube controller are going to want to play with a Nintendo controller. And this is just spreading the peanut butter even thinner on a big piece of toast. The analogy's getting gone. What is it's that? gone. It's that's, finished. That's, that's from, that's from uh, The Hobbit there. I feel like... Like bread, butter, too thinly. Whatever. <laughs> I don't. I didn't, haven't seen it. Don't want to see it. But well, that okay. analogy's lost. I think this me. is so great anyways. that Nintendo's going to be putting this out. It's That's cool. really cool. It's cool if they're listening to their fans. Yes. I just they need to address the fact that there is no supply of these things. I, well, they're going to have. They already have a. Well, from the picture Nintendo put out. They're showing, I guess that's what maybe the third-party one's going to be. It, it, it looks like a GameCube control. Actually... The one with the Smash Brothers logo? Yeah, Smash Brothers. So maybe, maybe they figure, we're going to put this out, so we'll sell, but, our, we'll sell our adapter. This company can sell their shitty ones. We already licensed them. You know, we already probably... They've already paid us for the license, so whatever. Here's where it, it could go right. Um, Mad Cats was notorious for making crap, right? Mm. And then they put out their tournament edition fight sticks, and they're amazing. Why? Because they specifically used only arcade parts. Basically, they were built to arcade specification. So if Nintendo goes to PDP and goes, look, this is exactly how it needs to be made. These are the parts that it needs. We just need you to handle production. If that's how it goes, then mm-hmm. then perhaps we will get a good controller and in a, a totally reasonable facsimile. But Nintendo needs to hand the blueprint over to, to PDP. If PDP is designing this from the ground up, I think- it's going to be miserable. Well, I think that's what I think Nintendo is, is going to be smart about this because they figure and this can segue into another topic. This uh, the Wii U has been out for a year and a half now. Yes, it was fall of 2012 it came out. Year and a half, year and eight months, you want to say whatever. Um, this is the year that it's going to be make or break. This is the year that'll either push them into some sort of semblance of market saturation, respectable, not obviously not going to come close to the Wii. Or else, this is going to go the way the GameCube. You're going to have a, have a five year uh, system life, right. which is very that's short nowadays. You know, because because you're going to have the PS3 for another two years, probably at least. You know, and Xbox 360 isn't going away for next year at least. Um, so um, this this is some decent news, though. Decent. It's a starting point. Uh, Mario uh, Mario Kart uh, Eight came out. Wow, already eight. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and got glowing reviews almost across the board. Looks gorgeous. Looks gorgeous. Some new modes. They they got rid of the blue blue shell thing. They kind of have a counter counterbalance to that, which is nice. Nice. Um, looks looks like I said looks great. Sold 1.2 million copies worldwide over the weekend. And it will sell not one more copy because that's every <laughs> owner of the Wii U. You think it, so? Well, no, but I mean, this is the problem. Like, it's great to see the game sell. It's not going to be a system seller, but you think? I, well, no, I'm not saying it won't be. It needs to be. Because as amazing as it is that it sold all those copies, dude, I'm not kidding when I say that's... I feel like that's close to saturation. Like, Well, that's... well. The, well has it even sold 3 million in the Wii U? No, I know. I don't... I, well, uh, I, think it's, I think it's actually sold like 4. Okay, I think it's so. You're four. talking then with three to three in, to four in one weekend hitting, let's we'll just say, twenty five percent of of the base. Yeah, in a weekend. And I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for Comic Con coming up, and Comic Con is that yearly time where I buckle down and don't buy anything, I'm looking. I'm like, shit, Vonnie and I and every you know the people we have over on Sundays. This would be fantastic. But I just I'm not dumping the money just for Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it does look great. I'm glad it sold well. It's just a matter of what it remains to be seen whether it moves systems. And I still think, not to constantly harp on something I've said a couple uh, for a few episodes, but I still think them... Now, I'm happy they did it, but them splitting up the Smash between 3DS, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, there's going to be enough casual Smash players like me who go, mm, I don't necessarily need the Wii U to play this. I'm happy with my 3DS version. And I think that could hurt them. I, th- I think that... The, but, the, but the tournament competition people they'll obviously gravitate towards the console one sure but that's that, that's just, i know it's a smaller percentage but, right you're we're still talking gamecube territory sure. um this is some some info on if it sold more units um uh uk release in mario kart 8 drove a 666 percent increase in weekly wii u sales nice. obviously you don't you know if that's only four to begin with you're only <laughs> you're only going up to 24 you know 25 consoles but that's that's good news though no it is because now it's all of a sudden here's here's a quote-unquote killer app for the Wii U, finally, a year and a half in. It's almost always a Mario Kart or a Zelda. Sure. You know. Sure. We still have to see the big Zelda Mario. game. Yeah. No, the, I, mean, I think the E3... I think E3... They'll show stuff. There's a lot of E3 leaks. I did not look into it because it doesn't interest me, but uh, the Zelda Zelda was one of them. They even have, like, a name for it, I believe. So, yeah, there are some big titles coming up. I just... Yeah, I mean... You saw them a Star Fox title? They'll yeah, probably do, announce that. No, they did. That's that's also, actually, I believe, in is that the a leak? That, that was a leak in the works. So, um, so this is... Nintendo realizes... We could have probably waited a year to come out with this system. We probably should have waited. We need to go hard or go home. Yes, and I this think is the year. I, I would love to say that this falls somewhere between the GameCube and the Wii in terms of, of a success, but time's really running out. Like Nintendo needs to show four titles that no one who's a fan of Nintendo titles can miss. They, can all, they all have to be new. Like it's got to be a new Zelda, a new Star Fox. I mean, they can't just rust on. Well, they have Smash already, so you know that's. Well, they can't, but that's what I'm saying. Like beyond beyond Smash, Smash. they they need like Zelda, four titles, Star Fox, a a new Mario, that's a new actually 3D Mario. Like I love 3D World, but it's essentially 2D and 3D. I think think they're gonna have a a new IP. They're gonna try. I would love. I would love that. I would love to see a Uh, new IP because Pikmin's nice, but Pikmin. Not many people are into Pikmin overall. There isn't. Um, they're gonna they're gonna try for a new one. I think they're gonna try for a new one, and they have to have something up their sleeve. They have to. But it, yeah. so if they can do like three or four, in addition to things like Zelda, Hyrule Warriors, and uh, much Smash, yeah. then then suddenly you've got me looking at the system far more seriously. Oh yeah, and I'm I gonna get a Wii U this and year, and I think a few more people. Uh, too. I'm gonna that that two hundred dollar refurbished Wii U off Nintendo site. That's perfect to me. That's all I need. Yeah, Nintendo- Bonnie and I were joking. We were like, yeah, well maybe after the wedding if there's money laying around. <laughs> Just. <laughs> But um, okay, here's the here's the weekly sales. Um, uh, is this U.S. or is this? Oh, J- this is Japan. So in Japan, they sold um, three times more Wii U's than PlayStation 3s and PS4s last week. Nice. That that's positive. Yeah, that is positive. Is this is this in in, in thousands? Like it must be. Yeah, nineteen point three one two. That's thousands. That's what does that mean? That's one hundred ninety thousand then. So that means it's in weird. It says nine. It says nine thousand twenty-four. I can't just be individual. It has to be times a thousand of that. It has to be more than that, or something. Something weird's going on here with that number. I I can't read the number, Ian. Doesn't make any sense. They didn't just sell nineteen thousand in one week, or maybe they just sold nineteen thousand. And that's good for Japan, I guess. Uh, whatever. It's fine. Numbers going up. The whole point is that 3DS and Wii U sold more than any other console last week. So yeah, Nintendo. They're not back, but they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So. We haven't had a good Wii U topic in at least two pockets. So. No, no. 
Um, how about the how about Watchdogs and their DRRM so issues? I'm not going to focus on this too long. I don't know much about Watchdogs. It looks like a game that I would probably play if it came through the store used and I had a one of the systems that, like one of the next gen systems. But the computer version released by Ubisoft using the UPlay system uh, has been was experiencing um, DRM issues and uh, day one download and play issues, once again preventing people from being able to use the product that they rightfully fucking purchased. A la SimCity last year. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, this is such old news, but it's just the fact that it's happening again makes me want to bring it up because no one ever learns from these mistakes. If you have DRM and you have a game that people are really hyped up on playing, your day one is going to be a disaster well, and there is going to be fallout so for it. it. looks like you had to use this Uplay. Yeah, it's their own unique... It. Uh, EA has a similar thing. Um, it, it's called Origin. Uh, a lot of these systems have these... Um, Basically, unique storefronts that use their own DRMs. Okay, Jesus. a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these companies. Oh, now, yeah. Steam is is kind of on the other side of things where they're trying to get everything under one roof. But you know, you play Ubisoft's you play is, is is not. You know, EA's Origin is not. So, anyways, people weren't able to log in to authenticate and play. And therefore, their game was useless on day one. And what's stupid about it, and it, it, this isn't this isn't a statement that's profound because everyone freaking makes it. But uh, you know who was playing it perfectly fine on day one? Uh, people who pirated the damn game and cracked it. Everyone was playing. Was it, it. cracked the first day? Oh yeah, everyone was. Uh, yeah, pirates download and crack that. Shit. Yeah, day, maybe um, crack that watchdog game. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Completely unnecessary R. But, you know, I mean, people who are playing it on consoles, people who are playing it, um, you know, uh, pirated, you know, they all get what they were looking for. It's it's the paying customers on the computer who don't get it. And what I just don't understand is, you know, how ser- some of these companies aren't well, learning these things. I wonder, uh, I really wonder, it's very hard to, to quantify how much piracy hurts. Because it always goes back to the argument. This was a topic we can talk about now. Someone asked asked in uh, in the um, the Q and A. Sure, they did. Um, we'll we'll get that out of our. Uh, we can talk about it. It's it's hard to quantify the lost sales because the argument always is, at least to me, were these people going to purchase the game anyway? Right. And that's impossible to quantify unless you, you know, you had someone take, um, you know, a truth serum and answer the question. Yeah. I, I will say from my perspective, if I'm gonna, if I really want a game, ninety nine percent of the time I will buy it. You know, I will go out and I will buy the game if, if, if I really want that game. If I really want a game, I will 100 percent of the time go buy the game. I just don't. I just don't pirate. It's 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 it, even if it, as long as there is someone where the it, as long as I can buy it in a way that is set up so that money will trickle down to whoever it's supposed to go to, sure. I will buy it. Um, stuff like emulation. Uh, you know, if we're just talking about piracy in general, kind of trying to answer this question for for the, I think it was uh, the guy who writes for your site, uh, Foxhounder. Yes, Foxhounder. Um, um, you know, uh, piracy such as emulation and even music piracy to a degree, it depends on the person. Emulation for me, and I think for a lot of the customers that come into the store, it's a way to try before you buy. Um, when you can't rent, you know, a Nintendo game or a Super mm-hmm. Nintendo game anymore. Do I really want to spend 110 on Evo? Well, let me download the game and find out first. Sure. You know, do I like? Do I really want to well, buy this album? Let me listen to a track first. Well, we, we also have to dis- uh, differentiate between games that aren't that if you pirate them, you're not hurting the company anymore, right. versus newer stuff that you are. Yeah, no, so. and in that regards, I agree 100% with you. It's hard to tell because most pirates. 
probably wouldn't have bought the game anyway. Sure. I, I just don't think they would have. Um, going back to, I mean, in college, um, I remember I even had a little, what was it? I had an IRC little server that served up Whereas like, back like a then. Serve bot? Yeah, I had one. People yeah. downloaded stuff for me, uploaded it. Yeah. Back the that was the first year we had T one. I remember it was available at my college. <laughs> so it was all porn MP3s and whereas that year. Um but a lot it's of Wares. People, wares. Whereas. I used to call it Juarez when Juarez. I was a kid, but it's Wares. Just Wares. God, I remember the Wares sites they used to have, just mm-hmm. you just download stuff right off it. Zero God. day. Anyway. Zero day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up for zero day <laughs> wares. Um but, I mean, a lot of it was just collecting almost. You're like, oh, let's see what I can get. I remember I would try to find just, like, hard-to-find games that were weird. I remember downloading stuff like like a really cool computer tennis game. I would never have bought that. Right. You know what I mean? It was just, you. it was there, so you played it. You know, that sort of thing. So, that's that's my general stance on, on it, is that it's, it, unless you can quantify, the, the you, you know, how much you're hurting that company... It's that shouldn't be a huge countermeasure focus. Look at look at the movie industry. The movie industry is making more and more money every year. Piracy has not hurt it in the least bit. Right. It really hasn't. Um, so I, they haven't really done much to counter. I mean, if you really want to say, yeah, obviously they they go out and I it always stinks when you see like a thirteen or fourteen year old girl get sued by a music company for downloading Britney Spears. That used to happen. I think they've stopped doing that to that extent. But I, I had a, a relative that got a, you know, a cease and assist from like a, a cable company or something that they, because they found that I guess he was on sites that were streaming movies. This is like five, six years ago. Like that's happened before. Wow. But I think that's the wrong approach to go after little people like that. Should you go after, if you're going to go after, the, go after the source, if you're going to go after. Right. Well, they want to make an example out of yeah. someone which, and scare you, which is dumb because honestly, even though you may know someone that happened to, the odds of it happening to you are slim to none. Anyone who looks at odds knows that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My general stance on piracy is I don't, I like to support the musicians I like. I like to buy, you know, I, I, I have tons of like Ultraman and Kaiju bootlegs, but as soon as it's made legally available in the U S I go buy it. Um, games, you know, new games I always buy. I don't pirate, but I don't know that it's like you said, I don't know that it's necessarily the detriment or the, the, the big evil that these video game manufacturers make it out to be. I, I just don't think it's affecting their bottom line as much as they say. So yeah, I I, it's, I don't I don't think you're hugely evil if you do it. I honestly don't. Um, I think it depends also on like who you're hurting. If it's a little person, if you're if you're if you're somehow say some guy's trying to get by, and you know he's either like a small artist, say like Breno Floss, you know, a friend of mine, he puts out albums. Um, instead of paying the, the few dollars to get his album, you're going out and you're you're hurting him a lot more than you're hurting a huge. Uh, band like Metallica, that's different to me. You know, that that's a little different. I don't, I don't like to split hairs, but yes, that is true. I mean, especially if it's a it, it, like, like people who pirate indie games and they're asking two ninety nine for the indie game, like that's bad. Yeah, eat a dick, dude. I yeah. mean, eat one less cheeseburger from Jack yeah, in the Box. It's and not got like the game. it's not like you're risking sixty bucks and going to have crap. You're right. risking three dollars. And if it's crap, it's three dollars. That you know that that candy bar was crap too. You know, it doesn't matter. So yeah, I, I think there are shades of gray when it comes the piracy i have to i have to say that no i mean I don't think I, it's black and white yeah i guess i agree with that i don't i don't like to but <laughs> you don't like to i don't like to agree well with you me. hate emulation so yeah <laughs> i hate it all right um i think it's time for q a no it's not no, 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 we no, have no, we have no, a no. very interesting sort of sociological game psychology sort of uh yeah topic topic um this was a this was a couple of games that i was not really familiar with i think Ian was more familiar with them than me um, Daisy and Rust. 
Right. And they've been out for a while in beta. And uh, they've been slowly, I'd say, over the past couple months, uh, getting a lot of attention. Not so much for the gameplay, but for the fact of what you can do. And before Pat dives into the psychology thing, to give you a rough idea, if you don't know what Daisy and Rust are, they're basically survival games. Open world. Open world survival games. Where you are dropped basically naked and useless, and you have to go find your own equipment and stuff. But to cut to the chase, so Pat can get to d- discussing the article, um, the enemy is, you know, for instance, Daisy, it's zombies. But the zombies never end. There is no winning the game. So it makes it a very toxic environment because if there's no winning the game, you suddenly find the other human players your enemies. Oh. So th- this is what's interesting about these games, and this is this is a this is very interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, I like psychology, I like sociology. We're entering a realm of gameplay that hasn't not been seen before in, in games like this, where the players themselves are making their own rules, um, right. both social, uh, uh, both social. It's mostly social. they're basically making their own morality in these games. So this this came to the attention of a lot of people because there was a YouTube video for a Daisy uh, group. Where what happened was, it was um, a group of players all heavily armed. And in these games, uh, Daisy and Rust, you don't start out with like, heavy weaponry. You start out with like a rock, I think, and Rust that you can bash people over the head with. And then you have to find and build up and trade for and get you know melee weapons and then get machine guns and things like that. So you are helpless in these games. You are absolutely helpless when you start off, or even, I guess, earlier on, unless you build alliances and talk to people and get in the clan, whatever else. It's like you're back in the caveman days and you have to survive. So that said, what happened, uh, and this is an article off of Wired I read, and I, and I saw it in this video, where this pack of, supposedly these were guys, they actually were interviewed, because a lot of people were pissed off. These were guys that um, were supposedly, I guess they gave stuff to people, because in these games you find someone, you can be nice, you can give them food, give them clothes, give them weapons, you can talk to them, you can take them on your wing, or you can just kill them. Well, for it's people I know who play, every person you meet is already, you automatically assume they're an enemy. Exactly. So in this game, though, this but this tells you a lot. This is where the psychology comes in because you are putting your your mind into the game, right? Or if you're going to be a uh, if if you have psychopathic tendencies, they can come out in these games, sure, because there are no rules well, and, there's, there's, no, and there's no consequences. And there's no consequences. That's the biggest thing. So, so, I mean, so this, is, this is what happened. This group of players came across three uh, lowly armed. They had pickaxes. They came across this group. Two guys were in yellow jackets with a third guy. They commanded them, ordered them, and this is not just via typing. Audio, sit down, or basically we'll kill you. Yeah, sit down on the ground. We're gonna play a little game now. Uh, drop, drop your, drop your axes. We're gonna put the axes in the middle of you two, two guys in the yellow. And said, we want one of the one of the yellow guys in the yellow jacket to kill the other one. Yeah, this is what, this is where it gets very interesting, because um, they can laugh it off, but this is it's sick. It's a little bit sick. They wanted to force them to kill each other, and in these games, when you die. Everything is lost. It's not like you easily respond to everything. You start from scratch. So, yeah, like so death has school. death has consequences here. Yeah. I'm not saying this is real life, but it has heavier consequence than most other gaming experiences. So they're forcing one each other to kill, and they could have been friends in real life that were playing together, or someone that they bonded with yeah. in real life. That now it, it's it's this isn't just this isn't playing Pac-Man anymore. This isn't even playing a first-person shooter against someone. This is someone that you've building friendship bonds with. Your Someone is forcing you to kill that person, even in, in a virtual world. So the one person refused to and ran away. 
The other one shot him in the back as he ran and left. Yeah. And laughed about it. And then gave the per- survivor, oh, well, you can have, since, okay, we'll give you rice or whatever. Ha, ha, ha. Um, it, <laughs> d- games like this will bring out the good in people and bad. But I think in gaming, though, the way the way these games are sort of being designed, there's no reason to be good to other people in these games. Well, no, and that's one thing that the article I don't think mentioned and I read. But um, a lot of people, when you look at when you look at, especially I think it's Daisy, not so much Rust. Um, Daisy's kind of fucked because they spent there's a lot of time spent in how you can harm and torture and kind of kill other human players. So it's very much meant to be part of a game. This isn't something that they stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the ability to force feed poison and stuff like that. Um, it's it, it's just, it, this is built in. Now, if there were a myriad of other actions that were also built in that weren't so malevolent, you know, then mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't seem so weird. But the fact that the games are almost designed for this sort of cruel, like, these cruel games and these cruel tests is is, is is what disturbs me more. And then, you know, you, you talk about the Yellow Jacket uh, incident. I guess that's what I'll call it. Um, and it's just... I don't know. It's... it's it's what, Look, when I play a video game and they give you the choice of good guy or bad guy, I can almost never play the bad guy because I just can't. And this, though, I think it really but, does bring out some underlying tendencies here's the thing, in though, people. When you play a good guy versus bad guy role in a game... That's just the bad guy is just good from their own perspective. They right. have a goal to accomplish. Sure. In that in that way, they're not being a psychopath. In this game, in these games, you are a psychopath. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, no I, morality. I, I can't even you know? do it in a situation okay. where it's something like. Uh, a good uh, versus... There's a difference though, because yeah. like playing as Darth Vader in Darth Vader's mind, he's being no, a I'm good not. guy. Yeah. In these games, you're just acting, just on your own, just fucked up moral code, and you're just torturing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just to do it, not even with any real goal. Just to just because it's fun to you. Oh, I know. That's the definition of a psychopath. No, it's like a you kid, know? it's like a kid who sits in a, on his front porch and t- tears the legs off of ants. Exactly. Exactly. Or burns them with a you know magnifying glass. So the, the the writer of this article was friends with someone in real life and played, I believe, was Rust. And they came across a, a friendly female. Right. Even though the skin was only male so far in Rust only And so they're like, oh, okay, th- th- we'll take you under our wing, we'll help you out, we'll give you clothes and food. All of a sudden, within, I guess, minutes, he sees his friend murdering yeah. this person that just trusted them with their virtual life. And he got, th- th- this one guy got, author of this article, got sick to his stomach, even knowing that virtually his friend, a guy he's known for years, had it in him to even virtually murder someone like that. Right. In such a sick way. But here's where it gets better. He found himself trying to murder someone that trusted him later on. And thinking about, this is opening a really strange world now in video games that was not there at all before. Yeah, well, what do our, what, what do our personalities do? What does our brain do when yes. there are zero consequences to our Not actions? just that. Is, this, is it a reflection of what you would do with no consequences? Right, and you don't so know. is it really that you can say out in the world there that there are a lot more psychopaths than you know about, but they know that there are consequences, so they won't go and just kill someone. In this world, maybe now in the video game world, it's actually revealing who the psychopaths really are. And now they're acting out in a virtual way. Or, There's something that can be said for that. Or maybe it's just a game. I mean, I, I don't know. Or maybe it's just a game. I mean, I don't know, but it, 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 it's, it's definitely an interesting study, and you know, this isn't the first article like this. I would love to see more on this 
topic as time goes on, as these games reach fuller completion, as maybe something like Daisy adds more than just tor- you know torment you know actions like sure. help more helping actions. You, you know, make it so that you have to team up with humans more and more. Right. See where it actually falls. But sure. as of right now, especially, I mean, like I said, I haven't played it, so anyone who's going to make a comment about derp, 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 um, you guys don't play <laughs> the games, so you don't know. We're, com- we're just commenting on the sociological we're, we're aspects. Just, right. So. As 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 the game develops, I'd be interested to see if it's still played as just this this psychopathic killing game, or if it does tend out, or, or or if it does turn out to be where larger clans form and natural wars between clans occur, but mm-hmm. perhaps not this vicious, you know, three on three or one on one type of you know killing well, that we've seen. I mean, this was just this is one case that got publicized, but it's just I guess. Well, I mean, that's re- a microcosm. More. That's a microcosm. Read more on the game. This is not the only instance of this. This is that is the game. Sure. And so, yeah, and there's no, quote unquote, there's no police to control this. It's, right. it's anarchy. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, it's like, again, in real life, would you do that? Probably not. You would hope not. Otherwise, we wouldn't have formed civilizations. We're just killing each other off. But if you were desperate, could you, could, could you consider yourself naked with just a rock? Would you go and club someone in the back of the head to gate their clothes? Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. And these are what games are sort of exploring, which is what's very interesting to me. I'd probably just try to eat the rock. See, would, would, you, would you try to kill me in a video game, Ian? I beat you every year at ice hockey. So. Oh, definitely, yes. You beat, <laughs> you beat me so considerably. All right. Um, Q&A time. Q&A. On the CU podcast. I added one question. Cool. Because um, I thought that was interesting. And we, we answered the one uh, before from Oliver, who writes for The Punk Effect, who asked about internet piracy. We sort of interwove that uh, into our topic on uh, the DRM of watchdogs. So yeah. we can take that one off. So well, first question. I'll start it off. Okay. This one's from Papa Ken media. Pat and Ian, are there any movies or TV shows from your childhood that you can no longer watch for various reasons, racism, etc.? And the reason why I actually chose to put this on the Q and A is because it was actually on my mind recently. Um, anyone who's a fan of British comedy is probably aware of the show faulty towers, which which is brilliant. It, which is brilliant, and it's a classic. And I watched it growing up, and I enjoyed it even more as I got older because I love John Cleese. Um, as I got into the service industry, especially restaurants, I loved all the you know the customers and the and the um, the uh, the restaurant scenes. But I actually found myself trying to rewatch it about a month ago, and I really have difficulty with the character of of Manuel. And it's because here we have a Spanish guy being played by a white guy doing an extremely stereotypical accent and act. And what I used to laugh at as a kid, and I mean, we all grow up immature, I just, I I didn't feel comfortable watching it. And it sucked because Faulty Towers really has, okay. in my opinion, some great comedy, but that ruin, that ruins it. So you, so you could not take it in the context of when it was produced no i mean i i can to a degree that's what i'm saying like I, I, i'm not writing it off but it's much harder for me to watch now than it ever was i think i think just now looking at it it's tougher yes i know the context changes it but it's still a pretty bad freaking stereotypical impersonation of a spaniard are, are you familiar with amos and andy uh no not really you know about it though i know it yes okay so amos and andy was um an old comedy show uh, starring African Americans, 
And um, you don't see it on TV anymore, but it's regarded somewhat of a classic. It was supposed to be really funny. Uh, people uh, don't like it because there was you know stereotypical black characters on the show. Um, uh, but but I, when you whenever you hear it discussed, it was actually people discuss the fact that it was just really funny. They don't bring up the, any sort of racist caricatures that could have occurred, and it was a black cast. Right. It wasn't it wasn't blackface. So I think it's hard to separate. Um, very hard to separate the context of these things versus for some people, for some people they look at something that came out 70 years ago or 60 years ago or, th- or fault the towers like 30 years ago, 74, yeah. 74. So now, wow, 40 years I think, ago. Yeah. And it's hard to separate some people. I don't have a problem going back and watching old Looney tunes with, uh, you know, the racist caricatures. They're like the war propaganda at once. I just don't because I realize that's what, I, what, when they're produced and why they're produced. I just, I can do that. Yeah. I, I just, that's just me, but some people get, get offended by it. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily, I just get squeamish. Look, I understand, like, that that was the, at the time, so, like, to go back to the Looney Tunes, you're looking at the enemy, they're character, characterizing the enemy because it's how they made people feel safe during wartime. But just because that was the context of it doesn't make me feel any better about watching it now. And I guess that's kind of my issue. I, uh,. I don't know, but yeah, I mean that that answers the question. I mean, and that was literally on my mind, like hey, shit, not even a month ago, probably like a week ago. I was just thinking about it because Vani asked me what it was, and she was like, "What is this?" I'm like, "It's good. We should watch it." I'm like, "Hmm, hmm, <laughs> like no, maybe not. Don't know about that." I, I read actually online that in uh, because he was like portrayed so poorly that in other spanish-speaking countries Better he stuff. was he no he was portrayed as being from a different spanish-speaking country oh, the, so the one, the one that they didn't so like, like in much. spain i believe he's being he's portrayed as a mexican okay like it's just like they didn't no one wanted to own the character so they just kept passing him around they kept going to okay we don't like ecuador or something we'll put him yeah, there. yeah yeah <laughs> that's interesting so yeah i don't i don't know i, I think it's it's very subjective it also depends on how you view comedy and how you view entertainment entertainment in general i think you know, there's some people that don't like any sort of racial jokes in comedy. Uh, some people think it's unacceptable. No, see, that's I, I the, think it's fine. You I know, it, 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 it depends on who you are. Racial jokes in comedy don't necessarily bother me. It, I, like Context I said, is everything to me. It is, it, but I, like I said, just to go back to it briefly, I think the main thing with 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 uh, Miguel is Manuel was just that he was he was just the butt of so many jokes. It was just so yeah, much. it was just constant. Like he, you know, he never had his time to be. You know the hero or anything like that. He was the joke always. Sure. All right. Uh, this is the next question from uh, Ursa's Rage, Jonathan. What do you think about games that involve other countries as villains, Cold War era and/or modern FPS? I, I I don't have an issue with it. If you're gonna set a, a game in the Cold War, our enemies were, were was the USSR. I don't see why you wouldn't. Um, I, I, I I I think I read the. I don't know. I, mean, I maybe read the question a little bit differently. Um, other countries as villains. I mean, if it's Cold War, yeah, I, I understand, and you can you can write a story. I don't. I read it as you know, just other countries, other humans. I don't like war games. If I want to play a war game, I want to play something where I want to fight aliens. You know, I want to fight something that's universally bad. You know, uh, an invading alien race. You don't want to fight something. the Nazis and Wolfenstein? And, They're I mean, kind of universally... They, they are. <laughs> they are. But, I mean, I'm just saying outside of that, like, especially with modern FPSs and stuff like that, they, I don't... You know, it's always the Middle East 
is your bad guy. Well, that's where we are right now. Yeah, so, I mean, I, that's where the that's where the terrorists mainly are. I, you know? I guess I don't know. I guess my response to this is I read it as I, I read maybe I read it wrong. I'm sure he'll let me know, but I I just so, don't, am, I, am I going too deep on this end? Then no, what? I just I just don't like I just don't like war okay. games that that involve humans. That's not really my thing. I'm not huge on that. I'd rather fight. I don't know, something fantastical. Okay, that almost depressed you in a way. <laughs> I don't like the idea of know, <laughs> shooting people. Um, this is from at Joe at Sputnik127. If when you guys have kids, that's a big if for me, Guess. what will be the first retro game slash system you introduce them to? Will it be the NES for you? I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think, think it has to be for me. It's almost like starting them off, you know. Like I, Disney films. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I would say Game Boy, just because it has the simplicity of an NES. But if I mean, if I have backlit ones, you know, I mean, the, 3DS by then. No, I'm just saying like Game Boy because you know they're they're da- I mean, they can take a lot of damage. You know, I mean, the games are simple. I, I think it'd be an easy thing for a kid to grasp. So maybe they start off with F1 Race and you sort of build them up to Danny Sullivan's Indy Heat. Heat. Yeah. Are you, are you are you are you buying the prototype of that? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I just want to work in a reference. I have to work in a reference every show. The Daniel Sullivan. I know you do. Um, I think I would start them off with the NES. I think I would. Here, here's Super Mario Brothers two. Here's Super Mario Brothers. Here's yeah. Legend of Zelda. NES is a good starting point. I mean, if 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 you're one of those people like me, uh, a PC engine would be a perfectly fine starting point. Any system that has two buttons in a D pad is probably where I would I would want to start them. Sure. All right. Uh, from Ido Ramos, X Files 2000, A regular. Uh, advice for first-time San Diego Comic-Con attendees. Get ticket early, etc. Love your show, Patty, and never stop. Here's a couple of good tips. Well, you can't get tickets anymore. I mean... <laughs> no, no, he, I think he means, like, picking it up. So, oh, yeah, well, pick it up Wednesday. Pick it up Wednesday, even if you don't have... If you don't have, um... If you don't have... Um, well, they don't have four-day passes anymore. But you can pick up all your yeah, day passes exactly. on the first day. So, Wednesday. Go Wednesday and get them all so that you don't waste any of your time on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, or Sunday getting your passes. Um, w- the Getting your pass is going to be the hardest and longest part. Once you get your pass, they don't really check or stop you at doors. They maybe make They'll you... They'll look. Fle- they look. They look at the day. They, they do. Oh, they look at the day. But what I'm saying is, is there's, not, check your ID. there's not an ID scan. I mean, they let whole groups of people through at a time. You just hold up your pass and you yes. walk through. So once you've got your pass, not a big deal. Um, two, uh, if it's your first Comic-Con, I, I might sound like a weirdo on this, but kind of avoid the urge to go after all the freebies and the swag because yeah. you're going to miss seeing I, a lot of stuff if you constantly okay. are, are, are wrapped up in I, that. I'm going to assume you're going to at least three days, if not four. I'm going to assume that. The way they have it this year, they got rid of the four-day passes, which I actually kind of agree with because then more people can go, maybe not go four days, maybe only two, but people always complain about the system. This is probably the best system for buying tickets they had this year. Yeah. It was totally random. It wasn't first come. You get into the chat room, refresh. If your computer fails, you had an hour to get into the, the, the random waiting room. I got, I got, uh, three tickets out of four doing it that way. So I'll probably, I'll get a fourth. So pace yourself. at comic con. Yeah. Pace yourself. Don't pace go your money. pace your money, but I usually don't spend that much, but don't go full uh, seven or eight hours every day. Uh, don't. By the third day, you will be dead. Or do. I do, and I think it's amazing and fun. I mean, Pat and I are going to offer... Uh, We're going to go back thing. and forth. I would say I've gone to... to this will be my fifth or sixth Comic-Con. Last year was the first time I got my ticket on Wednesday. Um, when I regretted it. I thought it was it wasted like three and a half hours of my life. Really? I love preview night. 
no, no. I mean, I mean, picking up your ticket a day. Oh, uh, okay. You can pick up your ticket a day early at certain. Uh, like last yeah. year, it was at like like at a Hilton in Mission Valley, which was you know, I regretted it. It All was right. a, it was a mob. Uh, every time I went on an individual day on a Thursday or Friday, I waited no longer than fifteen minutes to get my ticket. They have hundreds of volunteers to sure. push you through. So it may look daunting. We'll say each person it takes a minute to get your ticket, maybe a minute to get printed up. Hundred, you'll get thousands in within twenty minutes. So if you go, say you go a Thursday, say you wait an hour, you don't go when it opens, you go eleven, eleven thirty. It will not take you long to get your tickets. I don't think. We'll see. I, I'm, but I'm not going early. I'm not going on a Wednesday. Or, I'm not going before this year to get my Thursday pass. I'm no. not. Um, if you do not like huge crowds, do not walk in the middle main aisle of comic-con go on the far ends it'll still be crowded but you will not get to the lego and star wars sections and then be crunched at a frat like at a frat party and not be able to move yeah because that's how it is walk in the large um the large hallways i believe the back one is five thousand and the front one is 100 or it's zeros and walk along those because yes. you'll move quickly um anything that you absolutely if you're going to buy anything that you absolutely have to have Limit it to two or three things. Get it Thursday because all the ta- or or Wednesday if you've got preview night because all the tables are full and freshly stocked. Um, the idea that Sunday is the day for deals at Comic Con is quickly becoming untrue. Um, it depends. It, well, it, it depends. All the good stuff might be gone by gone by Sunday. Right. So it, all the good stuff might be gone, but a lot of these places wait now until half an hour before whereas it used to be you know sunday at one they would start you know shoveling shit off no well it depends what you if you're going for like silver age books it'll be sunday like early you'll it'll be like the buy two get one or buy one get one there's always the sloppy stacks as me and frank call them you remember last year we're we're digging through like it's like buy two get one or buy one get one or buy two get 50 percent off whatever um where no you gotta get there sunday because all be all the good ones will be gone before like 10 30 11 um, I would say... But for trade paperbacks, they're all gone by Saturday. They're, all the good ones are gone. Yeah. yeah well, the and deals here's, are gone. here's the thing about the trade paperbacks, and this is why I, I said, you know, don't wait until Sunday for deals. Um, the day you arrive there, there will be places doing 50% off trades. Yes, they or do all- buy, buy one, get one, or buy two, yes. get one. And it's it's heaven. And the nice thing is, is as Comic-Con grows, the focus on comics gets lesser and um, the comic sections are actually one of the few places where you can get a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Take your time to browse, and you can pick up some really, really great books. As you go right to left, it gets more crowded. By the time you get to the middle, it's kind of crowded, and then it gets really crowded. Like, because once you hit like the big, yeah. basically, Comic Con is Entertainment Con. You have all, all like WB and Star Wars, and you have all these non-comic book related entertainment for movies. They have. Those are the big, where like the where the, where like the stars show up for autograph sessions, like the Marvel one. Well, it'll be a standstill for and autograph signs, things like that. I hate to say, because um, we just talked about piracy, but the one thing I will warn you uh, people about is if, um, if if you're into obscure TV or uh, like you know Ultraman type stuff or Sentai or uh, you know old '80s cartoons. There are people there who sell bootlegs of them, and they sell them at an exorbitant price. Yeah. Get them all, Go to iOffer.com. Find yeah. the guy who's going to sell them to you for ten dollars in white sleeves, and give the guys at Comic Con two big birds. I have no idea how they even they're, they're even there every year, but they package them up and they sell them well, for like forty bucks, and they're just bootlegs. Well, in general, most of the comics are overpriced. I mean, especially like the, I mean, you go back to like the Silver Age, like they're. They're more than eBay. Obviously, they have to make money. Yes. And obviously, people they know people that they spend money. But 
If you're looking for like real comics, like old comics, I don't think Comic Con's a place to buy them. Comic Con is a place for trades and a couple cool knickknacks. Like yeah. I always buy trades at Comic Con and, and you know a couple neat toys. But yeah, uh, Pat's right. Actual comics, n- price wise, no, not the place to be doing it. Um, obscure movies or DVDs, no, but better places to do. But you it. want a poster? You want T-shirts? You know, you want exclusive? Yeah, stuff there's like that, tons you know? of cool stuff. But uh, yeah, and like you I want said, to see Frank, you go to Comic Con. You don't want to get you don't want to get wrapped up in like the freebies, and you definitely don't. How about how about we we'll talk about what going to actual panels? Oh well, I don't ever go to panels. See, I do. I go to at least one or two a year. Um, be very selective and realize the time you're gonna have to sacrifice to stand in line to get into Hall H, which is the big one, first off. I've gotten into it only one successful... Okay, twice. But I don't count last year on a Sunday seeing the... That, uh, that's always sun, uh, it's always sunny Philadelphia panel Sunday because no one cares by Sunday afternoon. Everyone's gone. But in 2008, I went to see Watchmen, and I got there at 7 in the morning to get in for, I think, a 10.30 start or 10 start, maybe. And I got in. But that was probably the last year you could do that to get there that early. After that, it's like get there at four in the morning, three, get there three a.m. or get there overnight. Yep. To, it's ridiculous. There are people who just stay overnight, and it's not worth it. It really isn't because within an hour or two, it'll be online. The studios and Comic Con will put them online at least by that night. All the major panels are online by that night, so there's really no point. It's cool to see the stars in person. Yeah, it's great. I don't know why they don't they don't have another separate hall to simulcast that in another place like the Hilton next door. They have a huge like five thousand person room there too. I don't know why they don't simulcast it there on a big screen. It, it would do wonders if you wanted to see it live. Wow, I have to see the new Spider Man, you know, or or whatever footage right when it happens. Yeah, it's cool. I wanted to see it for Watchmen because I love Watchmen and seeing it live was pretty cool. I actually was on was on a um, a forum then. Watch, I think it was like Watchmen comic movie. You know, back then, and I transcribed it for people. I have, I have two. I have two last pieces of advice. One, this. How about food and water? I was gonna say that's one of them. That should be the most important one. Um, Comic Con is overpriced on food and water. The food and, and at the convention sucks, and it sucks. It's awful. Um, go, the only place to go at the convention, go all the way to the right. There's that little cafeteria. It's better than going and getting the pizza and pretzels. No, I have my secret spot about two blocks away. So well, don't yeah. Tell anyone about leave Comic Con yeah. to eat. So leave, leave Comic Con to eat and walk a few mi- and walk a few blocks. Just- walk two blocks to Tinfish. You know, eat there if you want. Right. Um, but they don't check bags and stuff. Like, I mean, it, it, even if they did, I don't think they'd care. I always throw a couple apples, a few bottles of water. Cliff, make, cliff bars. Cliff bars. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, pack the food because you don't want to spend... <laughs> I, I, I have people that would be able to pack from their hotel with peanut butter and jelly. But... Yeah. But, but I just, you know, <laughs> don't, don't, you will, unfortunately, if you're not careful with that, you will succumb to hunger. Keep and you hydrated. Will, you, yeah, I have to say hydrated. You will, you will fall apart. Half your Comic Con budget for comics will go towards food if you're yes. not careful. The, um, the, 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 uh, the gas lamp district is right there. Yeah. You can walk. There's plenty of restaurants. Tin fish, great fish tacos. Everything's right there. There's going to be lines for stuff, but again, it's better. Get get away from it all for even, at least Even an if hour. you walk three blocks north of some of the pe- the, the pizza, pizza places, place. you know they're, do, they're doing decent. They're, they're doing. I mean, it's oh yeah, they healthy, do deal. They do deals. They, you know, it's, it's like two slices in a can for like you know five, five bucks. bucks, six and bucks. It's, yes, that, dude, you're right. That's gelato. Five bucks is five bucks is one slice of pizza at con if yes. you're lucky. It is a shittier slice. Uh, so then uh, there there are two more things I would say. Uh, one, p- please, just for the sake of all your other congoers, it's not it's not hard. Shower. And wear deodorant. Yeah, I don't know why that people don't shower. Yeah, or wear deodorant. I don't understand. Shower and wear deodorant. And two, explore. Um, there are tons of things that you will. I, I've been to Comic Con. I don't know seven times. 
that I feel like there are things that, excuse me, that I, I discover every year. There's places with board games set up where you can go play board games. There's all sorts of meet and greets. There's groups of people hanging out with DSs playing Mario Kart. Like, you're there, if you're there for all the days, you're there for four days and you're there for a long time. Relax, enjoy, yeah. walk around. Like, just don't, yeah. don't, it looks like you have to hustle and bustle because there's tons of people walking very fast, but you don't. Just stop, take it all in. You paid a shitload of money for it. Yeah, there, there's a nice little art gallery upstairs where you can actually bid on some of yeah. the art and models and cool go, stuff. Go visit Artist Alley. It's a Artist thing. Alley. So many people avoid it because they don't know what it is. Dude, some of your favorite comic book artists are hanging out there, and for some money, they'll draw you something. There's people giving free sketches. Like, take a sketchbook with you. Like, it, Immerse yourself in it. Um, there's autograph sessions upstairs. Uh, a lot of them are paid, um, but um, if you want to pay twenty bucks, to, a lot of them. Are, I, I saw. I met Adrian Paul from Highlander the series. He was really cool. Spoke to him for like five minutes. That nice. was cool. You know, a lot of those aren't really a lot of people uh, there for the most part. Unless it's a big show like MythBusters, then it's a huge line. You know, where you have to get like a ticket beforehand to get a line. And but that- yeah, there's lots of stuff to see and do. Don't feel rushed. If you see a panel, go for some of the medium to smaller ones. Forget about whole age. It's not worth wasting an entire day. Yeah. Or these assholes that they want to see something at 4:30, so they waste a seat. They don't clear the halls out, so they'll see two or three panels just to see their panel. And that, that's half the reason why Hall H is always filled. No one ever leaves. No one gets up and leaves. And if you're in a small comics or small artist, they're always really nice. They're as nervous to be there as you are to say hi to them. And they will likely draw you something in a book if you buy them. They're more than happy to chat. They don't think you're being weird. Just be a nice guy. Say hey, shake their hand. Say hi to Snoopy. He's always there. Yeah, Snoopy's always I, there. He's always there. I, I always hug him every year. I give Snoopy a hug every year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, is, is that it? That's it. This was a pretty non-economical CU podcast, but, you know, it was good. You had a lot of info. A lot of facets. A lot of ins and outs. <laughs> a lot of ins and outs. Um, other than that, yeah. Um, be on the lookout for my, my Retron 5 review. By the time I listen to this, it's already out, probably. Or it'll be out on Friday. I gotta. I actually have to record right after this. Record a couple more things for it. And get that out of the way. And I gotta take Ian home. Gotta drive him home. So, Ian, any, any last last word for this evening? Well, obviously we can't not talk about Mortal Kombat X. That said, we'll see you next time, guys. For Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Good night! Good night.